Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present The Sandman Lullaby with your host, Patrick Sean Jones. Let's start the show. The hag is astride this night for our ride. The devil and she together through thick and through thin now out and then in though no foul be the weather. A thorn or a burr she takes for a spur. With a lash of a bramble she rides now, though breaks and though briars over the ditches and mires, she follows the spirits that guide now. No beast for his food dares now range the wood, but hushed in his lair he lies lurking. While mischief by these, on land and on seas, at noon of night are working. The storm will arise and trouble the skies, this night and more for the wonder. The ghost from the tomb, arrighted, shall come, called out by clap and by thunder. Sandman Lullaby here on RPA. 
a real paranormal activity. Dude, I like to thank each and every one of you that happened to uh, click that little button that brought you into the Sandman lullabies. And for all of the people that are out there that uh, listen to real paranormal activity. You know, we you're the person that we do this for. You know, you're the person that keeps us going and we try to bring an exciting show to you. Something that's going to make you go, "Hmm." And why I say that is because my guest right now is Penny Greenfay, who is an experimental noise composer. Penny you want to talk to me? Hey, thank you so much for the show. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an awesome Sunday. Penny, Penny, Penny. I'm hitting you with my deep voice. Ah, oh, thank you so much. Your deep voice is so sexy. <laughs> I saw, actually, I saw you at uh, at Hell Garbage's, uh, one of his uh, shows in the Lakeland area, Lakeland, Florida area, for the people that don't know where that's at. That's between uh, Tampa and Orlando. And uh, Hell Garbage brings together some of the best uh, sound that's out there that he can bring of the noise generation. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about dreams. And Penny, you're a dreamer, right? Yes, sir. Every night when I go to bed, or sometimes during the day, I have like these little daydreams, or like other times, dreams are awesome. So, uh, have you had any actually dreams that you could probably say that actually changed your life? Um, one I remember when I was like a kid. This was this was a little bit funny. I was living in Florida, Massachusetts, and I went to bed. And for those who remember old school cartoons, I, uh, my dream would have looked a lot like that. It was kind of down in black and white. And I was in a car, the car was going really fast, and my butt went out the window somehow. And it chopped my butt off. And it was like really like old school loonies, and my butt went spinning. And it just, every time I go through like a really bad moment, it reminds me like, you know, just laugh. Or let's, you know, enjoy life, no matter how fast you go. Because if not, you can push your butt. No, I, I, I don't think anybody's actually explained to me about the concept of uh, enjoying life while you can, the Carmen Deum kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, it, I could imagine driving down the road and losing your ass one way or another. It was, it was actually really funny. I'm like, whoa. And it made, it made that like that really interesting pop sound. Like, only like, I'm like, geez. Oh, when your butt was uh, gone? Yeah. Yeah, I was just like, whoa, what did that, what did that mean? Jeez! I just realized, you know, just have fun, like enjoy life. Well, I'm more, I'm, well, you you astral project, right? Yes, I've done it a few times. So, uh, can you actually tell me uh, any of your experiences when you've astral projected? Yeah, I could. Um, I was living in Tampa, actually not that far from eighty-eight point five, and I, I was kind of like long distance seeing somebody. They lived up in Spokane, Washington, and like I wanted to see where her house looked like. And so that night I went home and laid, laid in bed and started bringing myself to that state where I took off. And it was really cool. I was like, have you ever seen, like, Doctor Who and, like, Stargate? Right. That's kind of like what it looked like when I, when I left Tampa. 
and I ended up at her place. Well, how do you talk yourself through the astral projection? Do you go through a, a relaxation technique? Um, first I start, med- I meditate, and then I get really quiet, um, and make sure like, I'm just calm, make sure like just the house is quiet, and uh, just go lower and lower and lower, and then my, my breathing would change, my breath would change, and then it comes to this part where um, I can feel it happening, and like the first times I started working on it, I would get scared a little bit when when it and I would come back, and then you just realize just relax and let it happen, and then you can just feel like you like you you lift up out almost like a like a helicopter, right? And you can just feel that feeling like, and then you you go and and it's it's really cool. Um, yeah, it's really cool. And then when you come back, I realize that you're really hungry. Um, because like the next two days, I was like emotionally like yeah. Like physically, like wow, I'm like really hungry. Does it actually drain you while you're doing this? After uh, you do some projection, even though you're sleeping. When I came back, I felt like I just like swam like uh, a thousand miles, and my body was like. And there was one I did where another one, um, not not this, not this one with her, but another one I did where I I thought it was an animal, like a wolf, like right? Bars, and I came right to this lake, and I thought I was going to get to see what it looks like. And my roommate woke up and he was eating like corn in the living room when I woke up. But the next day, my the, like the palms of my hand were like hurting, like like I was running on like you know rough ground for like a couple of days. And there was like no scratches, no scrapes, no blood. Just they literally felt like I was running on the palms of my hands. So when you went to the person's house, did you recognize them? Did they say? Did they feel like they recognized something going on in their house at the time? Well, when I got there, I forgot there was a time difference. And they're like a couple hours, like you know, um, behind us, and they were already in bed. And so, but the house was really quiet. And I was walking through the house, and like, like, like the air temperature felt different. It was colder, and I, I was breathing easier because I do have like a little bit of allergies. And I was like, I was like, I was like walking around and stuff like that. And I ended up kicking um, like her, like new end table. Right. She didn't tell me that she was that that I was near her bed. And I ended up kicking it because I didn't see it, and my toe was actually hurting the next morning. Um. And I just sat on her bed, and she was smiling, and then I asked uh, if I could, like, somehow leave something with her that she would feel the next morning. And uh, I called her the next day, and she asked me, um, you know, just, just some stuff in general. And, like, I was telling I told her, like, I, I was doing after projection. And she asked me if, if for some reason if I tried it that night. She said her dreams were stronger, and um, she saw, like, stars and, like, planets and, like, like like the Aurora Borealis. And for a while, I was studying like Native American spirituality with this really cool teacher. And he gifted me a name. I was just, some people make me a pokey, but it was Sky Dancer. And like, we were talking about that and she just felt like the whole sky was dancing around her. And then, um, and then she said that she ended up waking up when something moved the end table near her bed. But oh, wow. That's cool. That's actually yeah. cool. So, and then, so I talked to her, I said, yeah, I visited you and the stuff. I, I love you, new end table. And uh, the picture on the wall was crooked. She laughed. Wow. Faith-based. Let me ask you this question. Okay. Uh, is Are you of a pagan descent? Is that where you learn that you have a lot of belief through this astral projection? Or do, are you Christian-based? Or do you think um, actually that makes a difference? No, no. I, I don't think so. I think if your heart is open to it and, like, your mind to be open to it, um, it, just, it just turns beautiful. Because I know, like, different cultures of the world, like different indigenous cultures, um, all the way from like Christianity to like, you know, um, 
Judaism, to pagan, they all did. There's always there's, there was some there's always some form like there's a verse. I forgot what song it is. This is don't don't let the silver cord be unbroken. And when I read that, it always reminds me like about that thing that connects us to our body when we actually project. It is, there's some kind of cord that, att- that attaches our body to our soul. That way we can find our way back. So and that's you know in the Bible. Um, I know in paganism they talk about you know doing it. I know in Native American spirituality they talk about going on different forms of flight and dreams. So I think it's out there. And if you're open to it and you believe it, and you try, and you know, like don't let religion like like stop. So do you think that when you go to your dreamlands, is it actually a material thing, or is it something that's in your own subconscious? I think it's an other. I don't think it's maybe physical complete, right? but it's not something that's just conscious complete. I think there's like a veneer, maybe, that surrounds us, and like we walk through it every day. Like I know like sometimes people walk through a house and they feel a ghost, and there's nothing there, but they've actually walked maybe through the ghost, so they walk through something that's an other in front of them, you know? Um, and most, in most forms of religion, you know, philosophies, they have like spirits. They have dream quests. Like in Australia, they have to walk about. In Native American spirituality, you can go on dream quests, you know, and, you know, it's, it's there. Um, in sweat lodges, people go to a sweat lodge and they see like these amazing beings and skies doing stuff. So I don't know. I think it's an other. I think it's like, like even if, kind of like, like you've had those moments and they were listening to music or like doing other things, like adult things, you know, and you feel something different. It's like you go inside of something that's not you, but it is you at the same time. Have it, has it affected your creativity, do you think? Do you, uh, have you taken any influences from your dreams for your music? Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, when I play drums, as an example, I allow myself to kind of get to the same place sometimes as what I do when I'm like, dream, like dreamscaping or actually projecting. And it's like a vehicle. It's just like I sit down. Sometimes I feel like I'm at like, like a fighter craft. Like a, like a Star Wars-y thing and like just glide through the music, you know? And, and I, and I, I kind of my, like when I hit a symbol, I know that I know it's going to go out and touch somebody. So when it comes to like drawing the same thing, sometimes I've tried drawing some of my dreams. Um, the show that you saw me play at, I was just like, yeah, I was actually in like a dream state, like just composing like to the room in front of me. Just going off like solar impulse and like just putting it out there and then, and then like surfing on it. That's one term I call it, just like surfing on the dream. Right. Like just like writing it out to the end, you know, so. So do you actually keep a dream journal uh, that keeps track of some of the things that you dream at night? Um, I did when I was younger. Um, and recently I just got back into journaling stuff that I get when I wake up in the morning. Um, just, to, just that way I won't lose those things. Um, I've actually like put some of them in poetry. Um, some of them in, in, in like just basic notes. Like the one that happened to me um, a couple of nights ago, um, like I was at my mom's, I'm recording, and uh, I had this really crazy dream of like getting shot in the heart. And I was at the window, and boom, something hit me in the chest, but there was no bullet. And it was like a big gaping hole, and I wasn't bleeding from it. And it was just like, it wasn't the through and through, it was like, well, but there was like no way, nobody around that had a gun. But it was like the same kind of intensity feeling of getting shot. So I'm going to be writing that one down, definitely. And when I get back home to St. Pete, doing some study and saying, why, like, what does this mean? Why the whole, why, why the gun? You know, did, did, 
or was it an ending to what I've been going through for the last two months? And then now, and like now, my heart's clearer. You know, did something have to die? You know, and that's kind of like. What but like did you die like, in that dream, or did you just no, have the shot very, in the I, chest? I was very alive, like walking around, like I even like like why am I not dead? Why am I not bleeding? It's like it's like, and I mean, it's like no, I just I was walking around in it, but it was definitely like opening the window, getting shot in the chest with a gun. It was like that still bam sound that you get when you hear a gun. So, is that the first time you've actually died in your dream, or have you often died in your dreams? No, I, I actually, I was, actually, I was still very alive in the dream. Um, well, you got I, shot, but I'm saying, have you ever died in your dreams? And I've, I've come close to the traditional falling, and I tried like not waking up because I wanted to see what happened if I finally hit bottom. But I ended up waking up just before I hit bottom. I'm like, no, I wanted to see if it's true. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, question. Here we go. Uh, living or dead? If you could meet anybody in your dreams to get influence, to get insight, to get knowledge, who or whom would that person be? Well, I can choose. I can only choose one. Uh, no, 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 dude. Just, just throw out a couple. I don't mind because you know it's kind of hard and impossible just to say one person in this day and age. Okay, one. One person I would like to meet is living or dead. I'll, I'll go by I'll go by the terminology dead because they're well no longer in temporal you know temporal form. I think it'd be interesting to meet like Rebecca in the in the Torah, just because just what she did there was amazing, and I have and I have a lot of questions for her. Being somebody who's transgender and somebody who's Jewish, and like just ask her questions like how did you choose this? What about this? Because you know she she did some uh, some cool stuff. Um, that's like I guess like. Spiritually, um, another one I would do. I would like to sit down, believe it or not, and talk to uh, like Tesla, and see what his dreams are like. Not the not the things he created, just just his dreams. Like you know. Could you imagine like, what Tesla's dreams were like? Mm-hmm. They're probably. Like, I think they were one. They were probably full of birds. He loved birds, mm-hmm. so it was probably a lot of freedom that way. But he, I bet he got a lot of his insight from his dreams because he was so deep, dude. I mean, every, right. everybody nowadays, everything's copying Tesla. Mm-hmm. Everything's copying Tesla. Like, but, I, but I would like to meet him before like, he was like Tesla, like when he was like a teenager, you know, like a high school kid, you know, when he was like maybe pimply nose, you know, he wasn't looking as debonair as we see him on like photos, you know what I mean? Like, what was his childlike like, moments? Like, you know, when he started like just scratching ideas down, you know, that raw like you know power you know that, that came out of him you know before he became Tesla you know what I mean so. yeah so what other dreams do you think that actually changed your life see ah uh, see there's the one with the butt because that's always funny yeah I um, like the one with the butt the butt is very very pronounced right there if yeah, you lose your ass like, you know that's just you know right. you got total freedom after you lose your ass you don't got nothing to worry about after that so there was that one. Um, there was one. I remember when I was coming out of the closet, being a trans person, and I was at my. I have this awesome adopted grandmother who lives who lives in Tampa, and um, I didn't know in the dream that's where I was at. I was just on a piece of property, and um, it was on the sweat lodge night, and the sweat lodge was there, and they had a fire pit going, which I thought that was kind of cool, and I was actually sitting there. Um, as me, but I didn't know it was me yet until I actually walked around the front and saw it was me. 
and I guess I was in comp- my complete state, you know, like fully, I fully go, I went to, you know, tr- transition fully. And I was actually like teaching, um, just teaching people about love and like nature and music and singing songs to them, like old songs to them. And that was, that, that, that one still has a profound effect. But do you think that you had a, is there a change of dreams? Do you think before you transgendered beforehand or now? I mean, do, do you see a direct change in your, uh, dreamscaping? between before and after? Okay. Um, interesting question first. Um, okay. So, all right, I, won't, I won't say any naughty words, but um, when I was growing up, I really never had the wet dream because people go through. Um, but recently I had my first one as an adult, and I was fully female. So when I was a kid, I just fighting so hard of what I was not that I think it was affecting my dreams and like my, my everyday world. But as an adult, I had one where it's like, wow, I was actually madly in love with somebody and it was a quite an, an amazing dream. Um, yeah. So basically so, in your dream, yeah. in your, in your, in your, in your dreamlands, before you transgendered, you actually didn't have, uh, basically the, the sex dreams or anything like that. No, I, 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 I fought them. Like I didn't really, them. um, yeah. I mean, because I didn't like my body. I didn't like my mind. I didn't like who I was because I was constantly wrestling with it before, you know. And I, uh, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I had some dreams, but they were always like, like, like the comical one. It was like, like it, it made more comical sense. But I never really had one where I was you know, a guy in the dream. It was like, like even one I saw at my grandmother's place, which I found out later on, you saw the back of me first before the front of me. It was like, I wasn't feeling good in my skin yet. Yeah, and you weren't now, yourself. Yeah. And now I'm going through the transitioning and go and taking ownership of my life, my dreams are changing. Wow, that's and actually that's actually pretty cool and that's very beautiful right there if you really think about it. It's beforehand, you know, you just weren't yourself and right now you're in your element and you're continuing on and you're opening your heart to people and showing them truly who you really are. Yeah, it's just, it's, cause I, I think sometimes maybe our dream state and our awake state, they're not that different. Because, I mean, there's amazing, like, brains out there, like Einstein, Tesla, Hawking, you know, and then, like, you know, Amelia Earhart and, you know, Joan of Arc and all these, all these archetypes. <clears throat> and they did stuff physically that they also got down their dreams. And I think they, they probably walked in some kind of state and maybe in between both the dream state and the awake state. Because they were that great as a human, you know. Well, see, that's what I talk to people about. See, I'm 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 a big Lovecraft fan, and oh, cool. I love Lovecraft. and as you know, Lovecraft he basically taught that if you could really work within your your dream world, it can compensate and help you in the waking world, and mm-hmm. they they go hand in hand. Because let's say if you live to be let's say ninety, okay. A third of your life you spend sleeping. Most right. likely you're going to spend that time dreaming. So you're trying to say that for 30 years you cannot control or get any influence out of? Right, exactly. And that's one thing that Lovecraft really pushed forward was embracing your dreams, try to understand your dreams, work with your dreams, then move on. But some people do, you know, if you read some of Lovecraft's stories, some people basically take it a little too far. And they just go 
beyond, you know, like I've been reading some stories lately and like beyond the walls of sleep and Celephus and the white ship. There's different ways people try to move within their dreams. How do you move within your dreams? Do you basically do you uh, like one thing that in uh, the white ship, the gentleman, he's a lighthouse keeper and basically he takes a white ship to go to the dreamlands. Is there a certain method or is there a certain vehicle or transition that you use to uh, work into your dreams? Um, well, there was the one um, at, the, at the beginning of the conversation. I remember turning into some kind of animal. Some of, some of the dreams I had, I turned into some kind of creature and then was able to like run faster than I could um, or do things that I couldn't do as a biped. Um, so that's, that's one that's happened multiple times in my dreams. Yeah, that's They're, going back to the Native American thing like you were talking about. A high concept you know, that way. Well, what what I'm going to do real quick before we say goodbye to you, I actually have a story that I'm going to read. And oh. uh, the name of this story is Ex Oblivion. It's a story by uh, Howard Philip Lovecraft. And uh, let me do this real quick. We'll be back with you to say bye-bye. And uh, just hold on for a second, okay? Let me do this real quick. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is Ex Oblivion by Howard Philip Lovecraft. Ex Oblivion by Howard Philip Lovecraft, 1921. This story is in the public domain. When the last days were upon me and the ugly trifles of existence began to drive me mad like the small drops of water that tortures let fall ceaselessly upon the spot of their victims. I love the irritant refuge of sleep. In my dreams I found a little of the beauty I have vainly sought in life and wandered through the old gardens and enchanted woods. Once, when the wind was soft and scented, I heard the south calling and sailed endlessly and laboriously under strange stars. Once, when the garden rain fell, I glided in a barge down the sunless stream under the earth till I reached another world of purple twilight, iridescent arbors and undying roses. And once, I walked through a garden valley that led to a shadowy grove of ruins and ended in a mighty wall, green with antique vines and pierced by a little gate of bronze. 
Many times I walked through that valley, and longer and longer I paused in a spectral half-light where the giant trees squatted and twisted grotesquely, and the gray ground stretched damply from the trunk to trunk, sometimes disclosing mold-stained stones of buried temples. And always the goal of my fancies was the mighty vine-grown wall with the little gate of bronze therein. After a while, as the days of waking became less and less bearable for their grayness and their sadness, I would often drift in opiate peace through the valley and the shadowy groves and wonder how I might seize them for my internal dwelling place, so that I need no more crawl back to the dull world stripped of interest and new colors. And as I looked upon the little gate in the mighty wall, I felt that beyond it lay a dream country from which once it was entered there would be no return. So each night in sleep I strove to find that hidden latch of the gate in the lined antique wall. Although it was exceedingly well hidden and I would tell myself that the realm beyond the wall was no more lasting merely but more lovely and radiant as well. Then one night in the dream city of Zarakhan, I found a yellowed papyrus filled with the thoughts of the dream sages who dwelt of old in that city, and where too wise even to be born in this waking world. Therein written many things concerning the world of dreams, and among them was the lore of the Golden Valley, and the sacred grove with temples, and the high wall pierced by a little bronze gate. When I saw this lore, I knew that I touched on the scenes that had haunted, and I therefore read long in the yellowed papyrus. Some of the dream sages wrote gloriously of the wonders beyond that irpassable gate, but others told of horrors and disappointment. I knew not which to believe, yet longed more and more to cross forever into the unknown land, for doubt and secrecy are the lures of lures, and no new horror can be more terrible than the daily torture of the commonplace. So when I learned of the drug which would unlock the gate and drive me through, I resolved to take it when next I awakened. Last night, I swallowed the drug and floated dreamily into the golden valley and the shadowy groves. And when I came this time to the antique wall, I saw that the small gate of bronze was ajar, 
For beyond came a glow that weirdly lit the giant twisted tree and the tops of the buried temples, and I drifted so songfully expectant of the glories of the land from whence I should never return. But as the gate swung wider and the sorcery of the drug and the dreams pushed me through, I knew that all sight and glories were at an end. For in the new realm was neither land nor sea, but only the white void of unpeopled and untamable space. So happier I had ever dared hope to be, I dissolved again into that narrative infinity of crystal oblivion from which the demon life had called me for one brief and desolate hour. Then they disappear into X oblivion. Penny? Yep? I'd like to thank you, dude, for being in... The Sandman Lullaby. And it was a great interview, man. I really... You gave me some insight to... Well, definitely. Uh, thank you for having me on. I, 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 next time I have my butt cut off, I'm going to think about you. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give so some weird. information out there. Uh, the poem that I read at the very beginning, that is The Hag by Robert Herrick. And that was done in 1648. So, uh, yeah, that's that's an old one. Uh, Penny, you got something to say before I set you free? Well, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, definitely, I'll be listening a lot more to your show. And uh, just thanks for getting me think to thinking about this awesome stuff, like dreams and journaling again. You know, I really appreciate that. Penny? Well, how? Yes? I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, don't forget on Monday, turn into real paranormal activity with Aaron Hunter. On Tuesday, you have Aaron's horror show with uh, Aaron Frail. He uh, basically reads and watches uh, horror movies, so basically you don't have to watch real bad ones, and he lets you know which ones suck. And on Wednesday, you got Terry's Mysterious Moments. Penny, I'm gone. Thank you once again. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you have been in the Sandman Lullaby.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.